Jesus based on Hebrews 4, verse 14 through 16, and Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 12. I'll read that one to you real quickly. In Ephesians 3, 12, it talks about in whom we have boldness, in whom, talking about Jesus, in Jesus we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. So it's through Jesus Christ, the work that he did at Calvary's cross. When Jesus died on the cross, Matthew 27, 51 tells us that when he died on the cross, the veil of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom, and the earth quaked and the rocks were split. And most people remember about the earthquake. They remember the rocks splitting and so forth, but many times they don't grasp that, that the veil that separated the holy of holies from the most holy place, but only the high priest could enter into the temple, into the holy of holies once a year to make atonement for the sins of the people. But when, so when Jesus died, when his blood was shed, and when he died, that veil was torn, giving all of us access directly with, with boldness. Boldness, we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in Jesus. Just putting your faith in Jesus gives you direct access to God. There's no need to go through a high priest. There's no need to wait until the day of atonement when the priest would take the, the, the blood of an animal in, in, into the Holy of Holies and, and put it on the, sac on the altar to make atonement for your sin. You now have forgiveness of sin through Jesus Christ. You have been forgiven. He, he paid the sacrifice once and for all. And when you feel like you, you, you've messed up, you've missed the mark, you, you simply go to the Father, you go to Jesus, and you ask him, you confess it, and you ask him to forgive you, and you, you just you, then you continue to go on. You don't have to wait and deal with that guilt until the Day of Atonement. So we're forgiven. And we have complete access to God. Jesus also told us that he would give us the keys that he's going to build his church and that the gates of hell would not prevail against the church and that he would give us the keys of the kingdom. Keys also represent access. When you have keys to a building, you have access to a building. You have keys to the car, you have access to the car. And so we have, we have the keys of the kingdom and the keys to the kingdom to give us access into kingdom business. They also represent authority. Not only do you have access, but you have the authority to make the access. Romans 5, 1 and 2 is another scripture we had used. It tells us that we have access by faith. We have access by faith into this grace. Access by faith into this grace. This morning I want you to turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of John chapter 10. I want to begin reading at verse 7. These are some statements Jesus was declaring about himself and who he is. In John chapter 10, beginning at verse 7, it says, Then Jesus said to them again, meaning the first time he told them they didn't quite grasp it, so he's telling them again, said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters, enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I, Jesus, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. So Jesus is telling us that he is the door. Again, the door represents, when, when Jesus is the door, that represents access, 
open access to the Father. We have access to God the Father, to come before his throne, to worship him, to bow down in holy reverence and to worship him put our, and, 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 and to adore him and to put our requests before him and, and, and to surrender to him and to serve him and, and to believe that a life transformation flows out of that anointing and our lives are transformed as a result of spending time in his presence. And so Jesus said that, uh, that he is the door and that it, pre- it represents legal access to God. And then he also made this statement in verse 10. He said, I have come to, that, that they may have life. Now, if he would have just said that and stopped right there, that would have been sufficient. That would have been more than sufficient for Jesus to tell you that, hey, listen, I've come to give you life. And we say, praise God. Praise God. I have life in Jesus' name. And that would have been adequate. That would have been fine. But he went, he continues that I've come to bring you, I have come to give life and there's a conjunction here. We have more. He's come to give us life, but he's come to give us something more. He said, I've come to give them life and, and that they may have life, that they may have life more. Everyone say more. So we're talking about more life. He's come to give us life, but to give us life more abundantly. So we've been talking about access to God, all access to God, being able to access the very throne of God. And we had given you different examples over the last couple of weeks of how faith is a primary key to accessing the blessings of God. We had the men that took their, their friend to Jesus, into the presence of Jesus. They had cut a hole in the roof to get their friend into the presence of Jesus. Now the picture there is that faith would not give up. It would always find an alternate route to get into the promises of God, the promises and and the anointing to heal the sick. And so we use several illustrations like that. The blind Bartimaeus, he refused to be quiet. He heard Jesus was coming. He cried out and Jesus heard him. Jesus responded and said, your faith has made you well. So again, his faith gave him access to Jesus and being in the presence of Jesus, he received the anointing and he received his miracle healing. And so we're talking about accessing the provisions that God has for us. Spiritually, first and foremost, it's important that we are born again. We surrender our lives to God. And we have access to that salvation through Jesus Christ, through the redemptive work at Calvary's cross. Jesus said, I've come to give you that life and, and to give it to you more abundantly. So I want to take a few moments this morning talking about some, some keys to accessing the more abundant life that Jesus has come to give us. It's one thing to be born again. It's another thing to be experiencing the peace of God. It's one thing to be born again. It's another thing to be experiencing the joy of God. It's another thing to really recognize that we are made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That there's no guilt, there's no condemnation. To live free from guilt and condemnation. To have life more abundantly. To have the spirit of joy and peace and gentleness and kindness. To have the fruit of the spirit being manifested in our lives. It's, it's, uh, you know, thank God we're saved and we're on our way to heaven. But there's so much more life that God has for us. And there's even, even coming to a God supplying our every need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Every need being supplied. And so, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn now to 1 Timothy chapter 6. I'm going to talk a little bit this morning about 
our stewardship and how God uses our stewardship to access the abundance that he has in store for us so that we may be able, as, as the word of God declares, he's given us the power to create wealth in order to establish his covenant here on the earth. When I'm talking about God giving us the power to create wealth, when we use words such as wealth, use words such as prosperity, I just want you to keep your heart receptive, your ears open and your heart receptive. Don't allow what you read or what you heard from, from any source outside of the word of God or any excess that's been, you know, any abusive circumstances or situations or stories that are out there. They are out there. They're all, you know, stuff happens. But let's stick with the word. I believe God wants you to prosper. I believe God wants me to prosper, and I believe prosperity is relevant to what God has called us to do. God has given you a dream, and he's given you a vision, and I don't think he's given you a dream or a vision or me dreams and visions to frustrate us because we can never pursue them because we don't have the resources. God is with you in providing everything that you have need of to accomplish what he expects you to accomplish here on the earth in establishing the kingdom of God here on the earth. Are you with me? I personally think it's unacceptable to just wait till the end and stand before God and say, God, I know I was supposed to, but I couldn't afford it. God would say, well, all I have is yours. You could have come and, you know, tapped into it. You had access to it. So let's not be ignorant. And let's not let extravagant, let's not let any other person or ministry that, that you may perceive to have gone off the deep end or just way too extravagant, just, you know, you answer to God for you. How are you doing in the realm of every need being met? Do you have what you need to, uh, to get the job done that God wants you to get done? Do you have it? Are you holding back? You say, well, I really would like to. Have you ever been presented with a, with a legitimate need in someone's life? You had a passion for, oh, I just wish I could do something about that, but I, you, know, you didn't have it to do it, but you really wish you could have. I really wish I could just buy groceries for that family as well as groceries for my own family. Oh, you ran out of fuel. I wish I could fill your fuel tank along with my own fuel tank. That type of thing. Just being able to be a blessing. Having resources to be a blessing. So that's what we're talking about. And you being able to do what God wants you to do. And is uh, expecting you to do. In 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 17. He says, Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Now, first thing I want to share with you about this particular verse is that this verse applies to you. Turn to your neighbor and say, this is talking about you. And you may be thinking, no, it's not. It's talking about those who are rich. But I'm telling you, it's talking to you. Do you believe the word of God was written for the people here in Grace Fellowship Church only? Do you believe it was written for Americans only? Or do you believe it's a universal book for the whole world? God so loved the whole world. So when the word of God is speaking, it's speaking to the audience of the entire, all, you know, humanity all over the planet. 
And so if you look at it from a perspective of humanity all over the planet, I want you to know that if you have $2,000 worth of assets, minimum, $2,000 worth of assets, you are, among, you are among the top 10% wealthiest people on planet Earth. <laughs> among the wealthiest people on the planet. You really are. So you have to keep it, you have to, you have, to have a biblical worldview. You can't just, well, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not rich. No, you know, we're, we're talking about the Bill Gateses and the Warren Buffets, and we're talking about those types of people. And, and you know, this is, who, this, is, this is talking to those types of people. It's not, certainly not talking about um, um, Martha and me. Yes, it is. Charge, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to feel guilty about. No, he gives you all things to enjoy. Verse 18, let them do good that they may be rich, rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share. And so in, in charging the rich and in, in learning how to access the things that God has in store for us and, and being able to, to have every need met, and to be able to fulfill the dreams, the desires that God has implanted within our hearts, that we can fulfill those and we can be actively engaged in kingdom activity, in, in serving God and honoring him with our tithe and our offerings and, and being a good steward, we're gonna to have to come to a place where we recognize that this charge to us is that we're not trusting in the uncertain riches. It's not wrong to be rich, it's wrong to trust in the riches. You don't put your trust in the riches, but certainly not wrong to aspire to the riches and to have the riches. And, and the key is learn to be a good steward of the riches, but not to put your trust in them. But rather, our trust must always be in the living God. If I could, I would. Rather than, thank you, Father. You are richly, you have richly given me, and you continue to richly give me all things to enjoy. Well, Pastor Ray, I personally think this is talking about spiritual things. Well, then why didn't it say spiritual things? It said all things. So enjoyment, however, does not mean self-indulgent living. Well, if I'm going to enjoy it, then I'm going to have self, I'm, going to, I'm just going to indulge in this, I'm going to just hoard it up for myself and so forth. And that's not what it's talking about. So just take it for what it's saying. Trust him. Thank him that he's richly given you all things to enjoy. And, and, and verse 18 says, we are to do good. We are to do good. We are to be rich in good works. Be extravagant in good works. Be benevolent. Be generous in good works. Keep doing good things. Always be ready to give. These are all commandments here in verse 18. Be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share. So it's really giving us the attitude of a rich person. And again, from a biblical worldview, you are a rich person. If you live in the most least expensive place in Berks County, you are living in a far nicer place than many, many people the world over. So stop whining. 
and start thanking God that you have a roof over your head. And start thanking God and, 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 and be rich in good works and ready to give. Well, when I get to a certain plateau, there's some years ago, this one gentleman used to come to our church and he say, I'm, I'm, when I win the lottery, I'm going to give the church a million dollars. When I win the lottery, I'm going to give the church a million dollars. Haven't seen the million. But the idea is, you know, if you're not even honoring God with what you do have, you can go ahead and win the lottery, and you're probably not going to give the church a million of it either. It's a whole lot easier to give him a dollar out of a $10 allowance. It's a whole lot easier to give $10 out of a $100 paycheck. It's a whole lot easier to give $100 out of a $1,000 paycheck. It's a whole lot easier to give $1,000 out of a $10,000 paycheck than it is to give a million when you're not used to giving $1 out of 10. So you have to start somewhere, but be rich in good works and ready to give, willing to share the attitude of the rich, accessing the blessings that God has for us. In our culture, what's going on in, our, in, in the culture always has been, but uh, just bring it up again, socialism teaches that the state owns it, believing that the state, the government, can do a much better job with resources than, than, the, than the people can. So socialism teaches that the state owns it. Capitalism teaches that the individual owns it and can do with it whatever they want. The kingdom of God however, teaches that God owns it and we are to steward it well. We are to steward it well. So there you go. If you want to get in a political argument with somebody this week, say the socialists are wrong and the capitalists are wrong. The kingdom of God has it right. Amen. Matthew 6 and 21 says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So it's really talking about an attitude, heart attitude dealing with our resources. Are we... Are we rich in good works? Are we ready to give? Are we willing to share? Do we have that attitude? For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So I want to give you this morning a quick heart check concerning your financial stewardship and, and, and how you can release the blessings of God into your life and, and learning how to access everything that God has for you. So let's turn real quickly to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew 12 and verse uh, 13. I have the wrong scripture here somewhere. Wrote something down wrong. I'm looking for the story of the, the man that was not rich towards God. Put a wrong reference down here. So, in talking about a quick heart check, the man that stored up everything for himself, he said, I'm going to build barns, I'm going to build them bigger, I'm going to put all my things in the barns, and then God said, you fool, your life will be required of you, then whose will they be? The idea is that this particular person was not rich towards God. He was not rich towards God. He was preoccupied with material things for himself, with material things for himself. And so it, it was a... In, in first, back at 1 Timothy chapter 6, an earlier verse there, in verse 10, it tells us that the love of money, everyone say the love of money. Love. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. You know, money itself is not evil. Material things are not evil. 
It's just like the, an instrument. You know, these uh, instruments up here, this, this, this guitar was used this morning to, to offer up beautiful worship to the Lord. That same guitar used by someone else could be used to offer up satanic worship. It's a tool, and it's how the tool is used. It's who's using it. Whose hands is it in? So if you don't want that filthy, grubby money because you think it's of the devil, just give it to me because it'll become holy in my hands. <laughs> I'll use it as an instrument for God. Well, Pastor Ray, would you receive that million dollars if the guy won the lottery and he gave you that million dollars? You bet your bottom dollar I would. <laughs> once it's mine, once it comes into the church, it's holy money. It's just a tool. It's just money. It's neutral. Amen. Back in the years, some years ago, when the movie The Witness was filmed over in Lancaster County, there was a discussion about one of the farmers wasn't sure they wanted to let the, the, the filming company offer them $20,000 to do the filming on their farm, and they weren't sure, the church wasn't sure it could accept a tithe on that. And that was right about the time, that was back in 84, 85, thinking, you know, the church was just getting started, and some weeks I'd take a partial salary, whatever was there, I, you know, would be enough for a salary, and, you know, things were tight. And I'm thinking, <laughs> yeah, you, you want to offer, you want to pay that $20,000 tithe on $200,000 that they were going to give you <clears throat> to do the filming at your farm, bless God, Grace will take it. <laughs> but I never heard back from them. So anyway, the point being, it's just a tool. It's a tool. When it's in your hands, it's holy, it's righteous, it's sanctified. Use it as such. Channel it as such. Praise God. So materialism. Let me define it for you real quickly. Your time is going fast this morning. Materialism is, is defined as a preoccupation with or a tendency to seek after or stress material things. That's what it means preoccupation with, a tendency to seek after or stress after material things. So materialism is a heart matter. It's not what you have or don't have. It's not what you have or don't have. It, rather, materialism is not mere possession of things, but an obsession with things. There's no formulas there are no formulas, there's no set household income number or category to let you know when you cross the line into materialism. Well, the average household income in this region is like $60,000, $80,000 for household income, and bless God, that household over there, they're bringing in way more than that. They are so materialistic. Really. There's no numbers for it. There's no numbers for it. So, means there's no numbers for it, there's no formulas, let me give you a few alarm bells warning you that you are about to enter into the realm of materialism so that you can avoid it and you can continue to access and, and trust God who gives you richly all things to enjoy. The number one alarm bell, I just love, you know, alarms, everything is an alarm. Everything warns you. The first thing you do when you get in the car and you, you, you start it up and then you, you start, you know, if you don't put the seatbelt on first, it's ding, 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 ding. Oh, seatbelt. Darn it, forgot the seatbelt. Put the seatbelt on and then, you know, you're driving then you hear this other 
chime going off, and it's like, now what's going on? You look around, oh, it's telling the temperatures close to freezing, so you know, be cognizant of it. The road may be icy. And then another alarm, you know, what's going on? Well, there's, a, there's a car on your left. It's like, I knew the car was on my left. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, there's alarms everywhere. But I think we need, you know, alarms are good. They're, they're, they're safety precautions. They're to warn us to be careful, to, you know, to take heed and so forth. But spiritually, we need some alarms. And here's some alarms that we want, want to have going off in our hearts, letting us know that, we've, that uh, we're getting, entering into materialism. We're not richly enjoying the things God has given us. We're not accessing the blessings of God and enjoying them. Number one alarm, when you go from managing your finances, your resources, to being anxious about them. You're no longer managing the stuff, but you are now being anxious about everything. So when you find yourself being anxious, you know that you've gotten over in, into, uh, you're focused on the material things. Put your trust back into God. The number two alarm is when you begin comparing what others have with what you, with what you have, otherwise known as envy. You find yourself being envious. The scriptures tell us that we are to lay aside envy. Envy is a faith killer. Envy will stop you dead in your tracks from accomplishing anything. Don't ever allow uh, yourself to become envious. So number one, you're becoming anxious about the things that you have. Number two, you're, you're envious of what other people have and you don't have it and so you're envious of them and don't understanding why they're doing better than you are and why they got the raise, you didn't get the raise, you, they got the promotion, they got the acceptance, you didn't get the acceptance and they ran faster than you ran and you worked harder than they worked and you know, just all, it just creeps in in so many areas and it can creep in and, and at any age, you never out grow the opportunity to become envious of someone else. You never become too spiritual to not wrestle with envy. You become envious, ministers become envy of other ministers, and, and televangelists become envious of other televangelists, and athletes become envious of other athletes, and, and church members become envious of other church members. So guard yourself against that. You're becoming, coming into a realm of materialism, becoming materialistic. Number three, alarm bell. Focus you begin to focus on what you don't have rather than appreciating and stewarding well what you do have. You know, be a good steward of what you do have. Are you being a good steward at the income level you're at now? Or are you one of those people that are thinking, well, once I make a certain amount of money, then I'm going to be able to start stewarding it well according to biblical principles. I'll start, you know, I'll start this, I think it's called uh, tithe and Offerings, the Bible says something about it, but I think it's for people that make you know, like a hundred plus thousand dollars a year. I don't, I don't think it's for me and my ten dollar a week allowance, or it's not me and my part time job, it's not me at my income level, it's not me with all my expenses. Lord knows it's not me, it's for rich people. Everyone say it's for rich people. Well, you are rich, you are rich, so focus. And you begin to focus on what you don't have rather than appreciating and stewarding well what you do have. You must start now right where you are. It's not going to get better until you do better. You access the blessings of God by honoring his word and stewarding the little bit that you have and, and, and stewarding it well and allow God to bring about the increase. The kingdom of God. Boy, are you guys all right or do we need to start this next week again? The kingdom of God in Matthew 25, the parable of the stewards, the talents. 
One man got five, the other man got two, and one man got one. The talents, the one that got the five, traded, gained five more. The other guy traded, doubled his. The man that received one, in fear, in fear, he hid his, he buried it, so that when the master comes back, he could go dig it up again and give it back to him. He wasn't about to risk losing it. He wasn't about to, the whole principle of investing it, the whole principle of giving. But each one was given according to their own ability. So we all have different skills and different talents and different abilities. So you have been given according to your ability. The principle of the kingdom is that the principle of the kingdom, Jesus said, this is what the kingdom is like. And then he t told the story of the talents. That this is what the kingdom's like. So the kingdom of God, it is expected that you steward and bring about increase. The one that didn't steward and didn't bring about increase received a serious rebuke. He called him a lazy and an unjust servant. He said he was afraid, but when Jesus came, when the master came back, he said, no, he was lazy. So don't be lazy. Get involved. Get engaged in being a good steward. And I'm talking about being a good steward. I'm not only talking about you giving your, your tithe and your offerings into the kingdom of God through your local church and other uh, ministries that God lays on your heart with your offerings. That's, 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 that's the beginning of it. I'm talking about stewarding well the remainder of your resources. Traded, invested, worked, and use your skills, use your talents, and, and just put it all to work and bring about increase for the kingdom. Number four, moving right along here, number four, alarm bell to let you know that you've crossed over uh, in your stewardship to uh, become a materialistic is you've lost the joy of cheerful giving. You've lost the joy of cheerful giving. You focus more on keeping rather than giving. God loves a cheerful giver. Your generosity is connected to your spiritual development. It's connected to your spiritual development. In Matthew 25, and verse 14, Jesus said to the servants that invested theirs and, and doubled their investment, said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'm gonna make you ruler over many things. So it's, it's, it's connected. God said in, in 2 Corinthians 9, the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, he said, God loves a cheerful giver. In Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10, it's a scripture that's used many times when ministers, when they receive tithes and offerings, it talks about, try me now in this, saith the Lord, if I will not, in bringing your tithe. He says, try me now, in this, try me in this, and, and prove me in this, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out such blessings that you won't have room enough to receive it. Access to the blessings that are abundant, that you won't have room to receive them all, that very access to that is, uh, is honoring God with the tithe. And then he said, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. The fruit of your field will not wither, and the people will call you a delightful land. But you need to have a field going on. You need to have some land stuff going. You need to have some seed in the ground. Amen? You, know, you can't just say, well, I'm just, okay, I'm going to start giving it to God. I'm going to give this to God. I'm going to give this to God. But you're not doing anything. You're not investing anywhere. You're not planting anywhere. You're not sowing anywhere. You're not, you know, you need to have other stuff going on that God can bless. And I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake so he'll not steal your crops. So if you have crops, that means you have land. That means you, you cultivate it. That means you plant it. You cultivate it. You tend it. You reap a harvest. 
Give God something to bless. Give him something to bless. But you have access to God's abundance. He said he'd open up the windows of heaven. An open window is access. Jesus said, I am the door, and I've come to give you life, and I've come to give it to you more abundantly. And you are rich, and so I'm going to give you a charge. I'm going to give you a charge. Trust God. Trust God, for he's given you richly all things to enjoy. If it's something you haven't been able to do, shouldn't say able to do something you haven't been willing to do, you haven't found the, the courage to do it, I want to encourage you, encourage you, trust God. Trust God. Don't just take my word for it. Get into the word of God and study it out. And don't bite, if I can get anything across, at least one person I think needs to hear this, don't not do what the Bible says because ministry so-and-so Ministry so-and-so, they did this, and they were just off the deep end. We're not talking to ministry so-and-so. We're talking to you today. We're talking to your life and your life before God, our life before God. How are we doing? How are we accessing the blessings that God has in store for us? How are we accessing the resources that he made available? How am I accessing resources in order to accomplish the vision that God has laid in my heart back in 1983 when I came up and shared it at Laws Wagner's home. And how's it, how's it working out? Is there, is there fruit there? And is God providing? Are bills paid? Are we a good testimony to the community? Are we good testimony to the community? I think we are. Are we making kingdom impact? I think we are. Is there more to do? Yeah, there's more to do. I just got year-end financials the other week or so ago. I was reading over them. I thought, hey, we did it again. We gave about $70,000 away to charities last year. Not gave it away. We sowed it into charities last year between missions and foreign missions and local. This little this church, Grace Fellowship Church, paying off the mortgage and giving $60,000, $70,000 to charity. And we'll do it again this year. Amen? Why? Because we're believing God to provide our need. You're believing God to provide your need. Don't stay stuck. Don't stay stuck where you are. There's so much more. The windows of heaven are open. The blessings are being poured out that we don't have room to, cons- to receive them all. It's available. Let's access it through being obedient to the word of God. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you and I praise you for this time we had together the last several weeks on this subject of uh, all access, accessing you, accessing your saving grace, grace to save, accessing your mercy in areas that we need mercy. We saw people accessing you to receive miraculous healings in their bodies. Now, Father, we also thank that we are accessing you to, to believe that every need is met, that we lack for no good thing in Jesus' name, name above all names. So thank you, Father God, for helping us. Thank you for uh, opening the eyes of our heart, the eyes of our understanding, that we see that charge that, that was uh, in, in the book of Timothy, when Charge those, who, charge those who are rich that we not trust. We're not to trust in any of these natural resources. Our trust is in you, but in this natural world, we work. They're tools that we use. So, Father, help us to see finances and resources as tools that are used to build the kingdom, to glorify you in Jesus' name, name above all names. Name above all names. I pray for every household here, Lord, in the name of Jesus. 
Come against the poverty mentality. Come against the spirit of lack in the name of Jesus. It has no place, and we break it. We break it, and we thank you, Father God, that you're opening windows in our hearts and our minds. You're opening our understanding to your open window, to your open doors, to your abundant provision in the name of Jesus. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. Praise God.